Hi, everyone. I'm Shelly Lyle. And I'm Brian Avery. And welcome to Voices from the Field, a podcast brought to you by the Department of Sport Management at the University of Florida. This podcast was created to share the career journeys of sport industry professionals. Our hope is that you learn the ins and outs of different sport industry professions. We are excited to be with all of you this week and with our special guest, Jocelyn Moore. Jocelyn is the Open Access Executive Fellow for the New Markets Support Company. Jocelyn got her bachelor's in English and her master's in education from the University of Florida, a double gator. She has been the managing director for the Glover, Glover Park Group, a young leader for French American Foundation, a chief communications officer for the NFL, an angel investor for Pipeline Angels, an executive in residence for the Gathering Spot, and is currently an open access executive fellow and a board member for DraftKings. Thank you for being with us today, Jocelyn. Thank you so much for having me. Go Gators. Go, Go Gators. Gators. I know. And that resume. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's impressive. Lots Thank of things. You. Lots of amazing um, experiences. So you've worked in multiple industries, um, all with top organizations and in a variety of capacities. Um, can you give a brief overview of your career journey? Absolutely. Uh, first, happy Gator Giving Day. I'm super excited to be with you. Thank you all for the opportunity. Uh, when I left the University of Florida with my master's degree, I packed up my Toyota Corolla. I've been bitten by the political bug. I served as student body vice president while I was at UF, and I knew I wanted to be in the, the center of power. So I drove my little Corolla home to Atlanta for two weeks. I told my parents I was headed to Washington, D.C. because, by golly, I was going to work in politics. And so I moved to Washington. I did not uh, have a job at the time. I worked at the mall. I slept on the couch of my sorority sister who worked for the Census Bureau. And uh, within a few weeks, Zell Miller, who had been the governor for the state of Georgia, got appointed to the United States Senate. So of course, my mom you know, calls me and says, well, remember you said you wanted to be in the seat of power? Well, the governor just got appointed to be a senator and you should go work for him. And I kind of paused and I was like, well, mom, of course, you know, there's a lot more supply than there is demand. I can't just say, hey, my name is Jocelyn and I'm from Georgia. You should give me a job. <laughs> and she said, well, of course you can. You're great. And once he, he hears from you and he meets you, he's going to give you a job. The governor's going to give you a job. So one of the constants of my life is the you know, support and encouragement of my mom. And so, of course, she was right. She's always right. I applied for the job. I was uh, one of the first legislative staff people hired for uh, the senator, and uh, went on to work for him for a little bit over, or a little bit less than a year, excuse me. And then uh, worked for Senator Bob Graham, go Gators! After that, mm -hmm. uh, spent time with him, really learning the ins and outs of health policy. While I had intended to stay on Capitol Hill for about a year and a half, I stayed for fifteen. I uh, worked on a lot of great policy initiatives, and that was kind of the, you know, really doing what I said I would do and following my passions for being in the seat of power. After that, I went to become a lobbyist. I worked for the Glover Park Group, as Brian mentioned. Uh, the NFL happened to be a client of the Glover Park Group at that time. Um, and it's a, a story of having a really strong mentor as your boss, a really strong manager. And so my boss at the time uh, came into my office one day and, and said very ominously, we need to meet. And I said, oh my goodness, I am getting fired. What is happening? <laughs> because he never used that tone. And he's like, we're gonna meet in the conference room and we always met in my office or his office. So we get into the conference room and he continues. He's like, I'm not for this, but. 
And he continues on. He's like, there's this great job at the National Football League. If you're interested, you know, we really want to, we really want you to go for it and we want to support you in it. And, you know, I was like, oh my goodness, Joel, am I getting fired? What is happening? He said, of course not. You have done a tremendous job here. You can stay as long as you like, but this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I'm sure we'll circle back to those once in a lifetime opportunities and how to prepare for them. So long story short, um, you know, as I was deciding and I kind of said to Joel, you know, I've, I've worked in lobbying. I found my balance. Um, I really want to stay here. I, I love what I'm doing. I don't know about going to work for the NFL. That's a big job. And so I said to him, I was like, you know what? I'm going to call and ask my mom. Now, for those of you who are sports fans, you know, both my parents are into sports, but my dad is the much bigger sports fan. My mom is kind of my mom and my biggest cheerleader. So I called her and I said, so mom, there's this job at the NFL, but you know, I'm settled at the Glover Park Group and I've really like found my rhythm, you know, so don't you think I should just stay at the Glover Park Group? And in two seconds, she said, Jocelyn, what's the worst that can happen? You have this amazing job that you love and you're going to go interview for this other awesome job. So if you don't get it, you just return to this job that you love. So yet again, my mom was right. Uh, I ended up getting the job to lead the Washington office of the National Football League. I was their head lobbyist for two years uh, before being promoted to the chief communications officer, uh, which I also did for a couple of years before striking out on my own and doing all of the amazing things that you've highlighted. So that's a little synopsis uh, with a lot of details in between. So. <laughs> Jocelyn, I have to interject there. Do you do you have political aspirations at some point in your life? <laughs> <I mean, No>, <laughs> background? So I'm just thinking, all right, when, when is she going to make the big announcement? Maybe it's you know, no. Brian, you're very kind. Um, it, it's a hard thing to be in political life. Uh, I do love being in and around politics, uh, being a part of, you know, making our our country awesome and continuing to contribute and make an impact. Yeah. Uh, that's the stuff that I love. I don't presently have aspirations. You know, running for student government at the University of Florida is pretty darn serious. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's like yeah. running a regular campaign, absolutely. you know, in real life. Um, and so I loved every minute of that. Uh, at this point, I'm just focused on what I'm doing, which is, you know, uh, really nurturing a healthy intellectual curiosity. And I don't, I don't make plans like people are like, what's your five year plan? I don't have a five year plan. I'm just going to keep doing things I'm passionate about. Politics is one of them. So I hope to always be connected to it. I love it. All right. Good response. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a policy. Like you got oh, no, no, <laughs> I don't want to sound like a politician. And so tell us your, your regarding your current position or positions. Um, what are your daily you know, duties, functions, responsibilities? Um, what activities in your job have you enjoyed the most? And found most interesting. And that's like five questions, but you know, I yeah. love all that. And, and let me know, Shelly, if I don't answer uh, all the questions. So, in my current job, I have a lot of uh, freedom. I have my own consulting firm, Jocelyn Moore Consulting LLC. So, I work for a number of different entities from corporations to uh, startups. I advise a number of startups, Brian, which you mentioned in your introduction. Yeah. Uh, so, I really get to, as I said, really nurture an intellectual curiosity. I decided uh, in the last couple of years that I really wanted to learn more about the venture capital space. I really wanted to learn more about how, you know, innovation is happening to power our economy. Of course, COVID happened. So we're really going to have to rely on entrepreneurs, startups uh, to power the, the new economy and the new normal in a post-COVID world. So I get to sit at the intersection of all of that. I really do get to 
spend time with founders and CEOs every day talking about business strategy. How should they, um, you know, pivot to the new normal? How do they make sure if they're in, um, you know, a service-oriented business, which one of uh, the firms that I work a lot with is? Uh, how do they pivot to, you know, when we're done with COVID and restaurants are reopening? How do they make sure that they are at a competitive advantage? So, I'm at the intersection of business, communications, and politics, and those are three of my favorite things. So I really get to determine. Uh, the path that I want to take, the things that I want to work on. And certainly at this moment in history, when um, you know so much is happening in terms of social justice and racial equality, uh, being in a position where I can be a part of those discussions and really uh, have an impact and contribute, uh, that's what really excites me. That's what makes me happy every single day. And there's a lot of great work happening at the University of Florida. There's also great work happening at, in corporate America and in, in uh, the public sector. So I'm, I'm super excited and I get to participate um, a little bit in all of those things. Yeah, and, and that's that's quite a bit. I mean, at the intersections as you're describing, I'm curious, and, and you talk about the economy and you, you brought up COVID. Uh, are you optimistic, if you will, with respect to the future uh, of our country and the economy and or entrepreneurship and, and the various opportunities that might be on the horizon? What are you, what are you, what are you seeing? Yeah, I, well, I always bet on America. Absolutely, I'm optimistic. I, uh, you know, my mom, as I mentioned, she's an optimist, so that yeah. <laughs> rubs no. off on me, and I'm a glass half full type of person. And what I'm seeing, I mean, just with some of the pitches that we've had at Pipeline Angels, I'm also a venture partner at Ozone Exit Ventures. Some of the, wow. you know, the ingenuity of, you know, the startup, you know, founders and the startup economy, it's amazing. And you know, I'm bound by all sorts of confidentiality, no, but I can I tell you, in the, in the healthcare space, in the hospitality space, in the B2B space, generally, there are so many great ideas. Uh, and you can see this. The, the other uh, I, big idea that I'm a part of is the phenomenon called Clubhouse. And mm-hmm. the, the, the thing that has happened there, and it's been in all the news, you know, it has a billion dollar valuation, and it's an opportunity for uh, the democratization, really, of business. And so you'll have Founders who are on calls with, you know, established, you know, CEOs like, you know, Elon Musk was on a call a couple of weeks ago. But it's people from all walks of life participating in conversations about business, about, you know, uh, life and, you know, balance and yoga and all of the above. And so being a fly on the wall in those conversations and hearing like I'm, you know, very interested in art and I was on a conversation about NFTs and digital art. Well, before I joined that call, I didn't even know what an NFT was, <laughs> but I learned it on the call. And so what I'm seeing, um, you know, just across the board gives me a lot of excitement. You know, our small businesses, they have always powered our economy. Uh, you know, innovators like the students at the University of Florida, who many probably have their own small business and big business ideas, they are going to lead us forward. And I'm really excited about that. The last thing I would say is most recently uh, I've been involved with the launch of the Rural Chamber of Commerce in America. Rural small business, you know, often gets overlooked as the focus is so much in cities, but there is not a person in America who is not connected to rural America. So I also believe very strongly in rural and what our rural economy is gonna be able to do coming out of the COVID. That's awesome. I, I'll i be honest with you, though. I think I'm going to have to Google NFTs as well. <laughs> <laughs> so all the digital art, it's digital art and how it 
like get sold and all that. Okay. Yeah, I, the acronym, I, I don't even, I can't remember what it stands for, but I've got to go back and look at that. This is literally yesterday. Okay. No, no, <laughs> I, 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 was on the call. And like, oh, wow. oh, I'm like, why are all these people on this call? What is happening? <laughs> but that intellectual curiosity, you know, it just yeah. kind of, you know, I'll participate in conversations of which I have no idea what the, the topic is, but I'll listen and I'll ask questions. That's how you learn and grow, right? Absolutely. Uh, and speaking on that intellectual curiosity, you, you've kind of spoken to that a couple of times. Yeah. Where where did that come from? How have you always had that? Um, if you can and expand on what that means for some of our students who are listening. So I'm always learning uh, no matter what, you know, where life takes me, what position I'm in. I really view it as a, a great privilege of life. And we all have this privilege uh, to be able to learn something new every single day. And so Sometimes it's as easy as waking up and like you'll see something on television. Uh, this morning I was watching the morning shows and there were all these amazing books that were being highlighted, none of which I've read. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, I've got to read all these books. These are, you know, they're amazing. Um, so it's just having that healthy, always seeking type of uh, mentality. And that's really how I approach life, you know, personally and professionally. Um, and it's why I have, I'm a multi-hyphenate, right? So I do lots of things. I don't like to be pigeonholed. Yes, there are priorities in terms of politics, communications, uh, and business, but you know, I do all sorts of other things on the margins. I'm an angler. You know, I learned that from my mom and my auntie. I love to go fishing. I collect art. That's something that I've just, you know, kind of gotten into and really, really love. Uh, I like to have fun. I love movies. Uh, I, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is one of my favorite things. Um, <laughs> although I have to say. The Snyder Cut for the Justice League. I'm a huge Joker fan, and I love Jared Leto as the Joker. Oh. So if you haven't seen that, shout out to that. So <laughs> it's just kind of, you know, just having a broad horizon and, you know, following things that I'm passionate about and interested in uh, and learning something new every day. We're trying to. That is another term you just mentioned, hyphenate, that I think I'm going to have to adopt her research at the end of it. I like that. <laughs> Look at this. I'm all learning. Uh, it's, 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 I can't be pigeonholed. I have like I'm a, you know, a founder. I'm a executive. I'm a auntie. I'm you know all these things. So it's just yeah, like but different roles we play. Sometimes it's hard for people to define that. If you get where I'm coming from, where. Yeah. I give you little bits of this and that, but to, to come up with this nice little bubble, if you will, a, a word bubble is like, this is what it is. And this is how I fit into that. And yeah. it, it's nice. And, and you learn because, you know, people take time to explore how, how, do, how do I fit into the world that I've created, you know, so that someone else can understand it. And, and I really appreciate you being able to, to provide a synopsis of, of that. So now with, with that said, I mean, you've had all these executive leadership roles and, and I would imagine, you know, with your illustrious career and all the stages of management that you've been through, how have you evolved as a leader, an innovator, a person, uh, if you will? You know, I, evolving as a person, um, you know, going back to my time at the University of Florida, I really came into my own as a student at UF. Um, you know, I don't say this often, but I started at the University of Georgia. My parents made me go out of four scholarship. It gets worse. It gets worse. Uh, so I went there for a year, and you know, my parents made a deal with me. They're like, if you don't like it, you can you can leave. But if you leave, you have to pay for your own education. Uh, so I did. I decided to leave because you know, the University of Georgia. I have a lot of friends who went there, obviously being from the state, but it was like the 13th grade. It was all the people I grew up with, and I really wanted a different experience. Uh, so I transferred to Florida State, and we're going to gloss over that. 
I was there for a semester. They had an amazing English program before I finally settled uh, at the University of Florida. And, you know, there was the matter of uh, the boyfriend at the time who played football. And so I ended up at the University of Florida. And, you know, I really came into my own as a person. I learned, you know, what I was passionate about, um, service to others, uh, and being active in life. You know, my motto as a student was really take an active part uh, in your college experience. And that really has migrated to my life to act, take an active part in your life. And so that means showing up every day and maintaining that healthy intellectual curiosity, you know, following those things that you're passionate about. Don't accept no for an answer. If it's something that you're really interested in, find a way to um, explore it. And so I really, the things that I have learned really started at the University of Florida, that kind of coming into my own and how I've carried that forward you know, I hope that I've been the kind of leader that is a good listener, that tries to uh, uplift those around me and really build solid teams. And, you know, the, the good thing about the University of Florida that was a great lesson to learn early on is it all comes down to relationships. It mm -hmm. really does. And so everything that I've ever done, even DraftKings was a relationship that I, you know, developed when I was at the National Football League and it came full circle, there have been so many moments in my life where things have come full circle and an opportunity will present itself because of a, a prior engagement or a relationship or someone that I met and had a, had a chance conversation with. So, um, you know, I think we're always evolving as leaders. There's no, you know, yes, I've arrived. And so I think it really, you know, comes down to knowing who you are, knowing what you're good at and your limitations learning to be better uh, at those things that you may not be as good at and, you know, taking it as an experiential learning opportunity, uh, every job that you have and every experience that you have. And so that's how I've really tried to lead. Um, and, you know, I, again, I'm always learning. So I always endeavor to be better tomorrow than I was yesterday. And, uh, you know, Hopefully, yeah. I achieve that goal. <laughs> no, no, I, I think you're you're flying colors in that regard. Oh, we you. are glad that you made your way to UF, by the way. <laughs> Me so too. Oh man. Yeah, no. So, <laughs> but aside from that, I'm also extremely happy that you you mentioned relationship building because that is ultimately what you know our role is in, in this particular podcast in, in professional development engagement uh, in establishing those relationships and you know not just someone knowing like you know as a student as example you know someone in a specific position but that person knowing them as well and those connections that can be made so uh, I think that's instrumental obviously it's instrumental uh, and it has been in your career so I really appreciate uh, you sharing that bit of advice because it, it bolsters everything that we've been saying uh, so it's true, what, Brian. It's and yeah. I, if I could just give a couple of quick examples, please. Uh, so, yeah, you know, one of the best examples when I was on the Hill, I was the deputy staff director of the Senate Finance Committee, and my colleague on the other side of the aisle, he worked for uh, the Republican uh, at that time chairman. He became ranking member of the Senate Finance Committee, and we were kind of plot like we we were, we had been friends before either of us got to the Finance Committee. He worked for. Senator Orrin Hatch of Utah. I worked for Senator Jay Rockefeller of West Virginia. And we had always worked together on children's health policy on a number of other policy areas. So when we got to those roles, which were kind of the roles of a lifetime for a Hill staffer, we knew how to work with one another and we had such a strong foundational relationship. So fast forward to now, he's a strategist at uh, Duff and Phelps in New York. He had you know, a stint as an assistant secretary as treasury 
still one of my best friends. I bounce ideas off of him. You know, he makes introductions and helps me think through things. Or if there's, you know, a person I want to meet or, you know, a, a, a challenge that I'm having, he's just one of those people. And it's just, it's all about that relationship. And we've become these amazing friends. We are lifelong friends. Um, but there are so many people who are like that. Aisha Dixon uh, is also a good friend and fellow Gator. She and I started at the University of Florida together 20 plus years ago. She just posted on LinkedIn this week. She led our Black History Month efforts while I was there. And it's been like 25 or something years or 20 plus years since we did that. And she posted a cute and very meaningful post on LinkedIn about our work together. So it's things like that. Uh, they just, uh, they make me so happy. And it's all about relationships, all about relationships. And it doesn't mean you have to talk to people every day, right? Um, but you never want to if, if possible, leave a relationship in a, in a negative space. I agree. It's a much smaller world than people uh, sometimes think. Uh, as big as it is, it, it's funny whose paths you'll cross along yeah. your journey multiple times. So I, uh, that's amazing advice. And I really appreciate that. Now, as you transitioned, if you will, from, you know, collegiate life as a double ga uh, gator, if there was any specific thing you'd wish you had known before your career started, what would that be? Wow, that's a great question. Um, you know, just to, I think probably be as confident as my mom okay. <laughs> <laughs> always has been in my ability. You know, I, you know, it's not that I've, I've, I've lacked kind of the, yes, I know that I'm capable mm. uh, from a cerebral yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of standpoint. Um, but you know, I think there have been moments and we all have those moments where like, did I make the right decision? Is this the right career path? I'm sleeping on my friend's couch and working at the hall. <laughs> and I have a master's degree. Um, you know, I think really just, you know, for lack of a better phrase, leaning in more and taking it all in as opposed to having, you know, those moments of critique and self doubt because it all works itself out. Right. Yeah. You're truly following your passion. Um, if you are doing things that you love, being a good person, you know, uh, having positive relationships, it does work out. And this is not a Pollyanna-ish type mm -hmm. statement. It is like if you're living your core values, if you're following your North Star, I know what my North Star is. My personal mission is to live a life of joy and on purpose. Wow. I follow that North Star every day. And look, I didn't come to that North Star as kind of a head and heart, you know, meeting until a couple of years ago. But now every decision I make, career, personal, et cetera, is it going to bring me joy? Is it going to have an impact in the world? And I think if you have your personal mission statement, whatever it is, and it's not going to be the same as your your person, the person next to you, it's not going to be the same as your family member. So I wish that, you know, maybe I had that personal mission statement. And just that that level of it's all going to be OK, mm. it's all going to be awesome. Uh, just, you know, take it all in, enjoy the experience, be mm. in the moment. Uh, I, you know, I, I wish I would have done that a little bit earlier on. So that would be my advice to folks listening in. Just enjoy the experience. Yeah, I enjoyed most experiences. Let me just be clear. But <laughs> I still call my mom for affirmation. I, I almost daily. Uh, my rock type thing. So I really yeah. appreciate you, you know, you referring back to that. Uh, uh, and, and I think it's very helpful, the advice that you've provided. Uh, I do also think it's important, at least I, my perspective is to be flexible because 
your, your mission and things like that, then your goals are going to change. And, and to be in alignment as those changes occur and how are you going to progress as a person? So I think that's uh, uh, very helpful. Yeah. Be kind to yourself. Like, you know, we don't all have everything figured out. I mean, no. why would we do anything? If we, just, <laughs> if we knew everything that was going to happen and we knew every experience and we didn't have any challenges, you know, challenges are the things that help us grow. And so I welcome, you know, the opportunities as well as the challenges, because in those moments of challenge where you can say, what did I learn from this experience? What can I take from this experience and apply to the next thing uh, as I'm, I'm entering the next you know, job or the next opportunity? How can I apply what I've learned uh, from this challenging experience? I really believe that. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that I just keep thinking of like humbleness, the word humble for you as you've been speaking. And but and I, and I think, you know, from just listening in, it feels like that's a core of you in the process of wanting to learn, though, as well. Right. If you're continually wanting to learn, is that what's helped you kind of stay grounded in all these top roles? You know, my family um, has helped me stay grounded. My my mom was the only uh, one of her siblings to go to college. Um, my, my dad, both my dad and my stepfather, uh, neither of them actually went to college, but they both, um, you know, my, my stepdad worked for our transit system in Atlanta for, you know, over 20 years. And so, and my stepdad grew up on a farm. My mom and dad also grew up in rural parts of the country, hence the passion, uh, on rural America. But, you know, our mom, my mom always instilled in us, you know, yes, you can do, you can do what you set your mind to with a lot of hard work. You're not better than anyone, um, you know, and you, you not only if do you, um, you know, when you get to a position, you work as hard as you can, but you reach back and you make sure that you bring other people along. And if you're the first person in a position, make sure that you're not the last, uh, you know, Kamala Harris, Vice President Kamala Harris uh, has, you know, said that many times. And I, you know, I grew up in a family where that was definitely part and parcel of you know learning and growing and being is you know this isn't about you um it really is about the greater good and 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 being a a, a person out in the world um and you know i don't know that i always understood it when i was young but now i feel like i again those full circle moments of um you know really being connected to who i am uh what i believe and and what my value system is that's awesome and when you're talking about you know you know, influential people in your life. Obviously, it sounds like your mom is a very um, influential person. Are there, are there two or three other people that have been, you would say, the most influential in your in your life and your kind of your career journey? Oh my goodness! So right there with my mom is my aunt. She passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, my mom's sister, Aunt Gladys, uh, just an amazing person, and you know, she was my person. Uh, mm-hmm. When I think about my time at the University of Florida she would send me back. So I would drive home, you know, occasionally. She would send me back with a trunk load of food from her visit. <laughs> Just, oh, I, I knew you were coming home. I went to the store, I got all of your favorite stuff. And they'd be in these styrofoam coolers, you know the ones. Yeah. And she'd send me back to the university <laughs> with all this food. And she'd give me cash and, you know, she just, was that person? She came to you know all of my college graduations. I missed my second one from 
uh, the College of Education, which is a long story. I got stuck in DC in the plane. I was on the last flight and it didn't take off. So I missed that. But my parents were there and they supported all of my friends who were graduating, my <laughs> and sorority sisters. So yeah, my aunt, just a tremendous person alongside my mom. Um, Senator Rockefeller, I just have to say, and I'll tell a brief story about him. In our lives, we have mentors and we have sponsors, right? And Senator Rockefeller was both for me and a mentor, someone who one-on-one -on -one kind of nurtures you, you know, helps you with career advice and provides that one-on-one -on -one internal kind of, um, you know, advice and encouragement. A sponsor is someone who externally advocates on your behalf. Mm -hmm. Senator Rockefeller was both. And the, one of the greatest examples, and this is the type of person I want to be, and I endeavor to be every day. We were in the middle of negotiating health reform. And there was this big table. We were in the United States Capitol. All the senators uh, were seated around this table. You know, all the senior senators, um, you know, I believe Senator Kennedy was still alive at that time. But it was around this oval table in the majority leader, Harry Reid's office. And so we're all in there on strategy. The staff is kind of off in the back to the side of the room. And so Senator Rockefeller calls me up and he has a question and you know, he liked to ask questions, uh, tell jokes, just a great person. I still talk to him to this day, one of my favorite people. And so he calls me up, he asks this question. And so I'm preparing to go back with the rest of the staff. And he says, oh no, Jocelyn. And he pulls up a chair for me to sit at the table with the senators. And I'm like, oh no, Senator, I, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna go back here with the staff. That's where I should be with the staff. He's like, oh no, Jocelyn, I want you to sit right here by me in case I have any questions. And I said, Senator, nobody else's staff is sitting here. And he's like, well, that's okay. I want you to sit here and everybody's gonna be fine. And so he, he as I said, he pulled up a chair. I sat right beside him at the table with all these senators. And it's one of those moments where, you know, yes, I'm just this lowly staff person, not better than any of the other staff, but the senator felt it important to make a point in that moment that Jocelyn is my person. I want you to know all of you senators as we're negotiating health policy, she is my person. I trust her implicitly and she's gonna sit right beside me at this table. I mean, can you even imagine as I talk about it, I still don't believe it happened, but for the fact that I was there, but that's the type of you know, sponsorship and you know, mentorship that we all want and hope for. And you know, when I think about that as the example uh, of who every day, like that's the example that I would like to uh, lead. That's the example I aspire to. And then lastly, I have these amazing friends. Um, you know, I won't mention them by name to embarrass all of them. Um, <laughs> but you know, I've had amazing colleagues. The Rockefeller office was run by all women, many of them longtime friends. Um, you know, I have other longtime friends, you know, both from home and through my career journey. And it's great to have a kitchen cabinet. So in addition to your own personal mission statement, we all need people around us who keep us grounded, who tell us the truth when it's difficult to hear, who celebrate our, our victories um, and who are there with us in our challenging times. So I have that. I have the most amazing uh, friends and I'm just, I'm just so lucky uh, to have them, uh, you know, both alums of the University of Florida and people that I've, I've met along the way. So that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think you've spoken about the relationships and how important those are and, and what a good reminder for students to go, oh yeah, these are just my college friends, but really your college friends can become 
you know, your lifelong friends. And so being mindful of, of not taking it for granted too, and, and really, you don't know what they're going to end up doing either. And so continually using it, um, your four years or your two years in your master's as resources of people um, to just network and build deep relationships with not just, you know, work, work focused. Absolutely. And look, I'm connected to people. Just as another example to extend that, after I'd left the University of Florida, I was living in Washington, D.C. So I had friends who hadn't gone to Florida, but they knew people who had gone to Florida either immediately before or immediately after I was there. And then we all became part of a broader friend network and we're still friends to this day. So again, that speaks to relationships and it doesn't even have to be the people that you were there with at the time. It's just part of how circles uh, you know, intersect. It's that six degrees of separation. It's really true. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you make some great points uh, in regards to that relationships. I wish more people in roles of leadership would would take an active, uh, in, you know, effort or role in in the younger people and bringing them up and along. I, I think there's a, a greater need for that, uh, and, and make or take stands or positions on things like like you've experienced. So uh, it's uh, hopefully people will be listening to this and, and they'll recognize, hey, that's a weakness that I've got. I think it's probably one that I have as well is that I need to do a better job identifying those opportunities uh, in my life. So I appreciate you bringing it up. Brian, I have a, a, just a funny quip that I'll just tell you. Yeah. I was on a call recently with founders who are, uh, they haven't hit 30 yet. I'm certain of it. Okay. I'm well beyond <laughs> that. Everybody on the call, on the Zoom, um, on the chat. And I, um, I said, I was like, I made some reference to late 20s or what have you. I had to catch myself because I'm like, what do you, like, yes, we want the innovation and the dynamism of, young people and the creativity, right? And so, but you know, sometimes those of us who are a little bit older, yes, we have to remind ourselves, not everybody is, you know, we, it, the more the merrier, the greater the experience, the greater the outcome and the impact. And we do have to consciously remind ourselves. I mean, think of Senator Rockefeller, like, you know, bringing me along. Yeah, We have to always remind ourselves. So it's that next person, they may not be in your same, you know, generation, but they may be 20 years behind you, but it's your responsibility, our responsibility to have those conversations, develop those relationships so that we can all work together toward, you know, big goals and, and, and big out, outcomes. No, I completely agree. Uh, I think it's something that needs to be discussed more, obviously. So uh, great, great position on that. Now, regarding your career, either in sports or politics, <laughs> what is one common myth about your profession or the field that you think needs to be debunked? Oh, wow. That's a loaded question. I, I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's something you know, that can provide um, some value to people. Yeah. You know, I think in politics right now, um, and it was interesting, there was a conversation, I guess, uh, President Biden did a town hall uh, this week, and I didn't see the town hall, but I saw some of the coverage of it afterwards. And one of the things that was getting a lot of um, blowback was he said there isn't a divide in America. Like if you go to small towns, like people are really um, more united than you know you would think. And you know I think what he is saying is based in truth, right? I mean when you think about what we're doing at the University of Florida, and we all come from different backgrounds, where there are students together 
And I think about my time in student government, we didn't know what anybody's political affiliation was. We were all working together because we wanted to uh, you know, do our best for the students and the student body at the University of Florida. And we so loved our university. And so that was what brought us together. And th that type of common thread um, is true in, in politics as well. I know that it may not be on, on display uh, as much as we would all like it to, but the, the thing that I would hearken back to is my time, uh, Zell Miller's office is another good example. So when I left that office, uh, and you know, kind of moved through my career and other colleagues that I work with, we realized that half of us who had been working for Zell Miller went to work for Democrats, and then the other half of us went to work for Republicans. The reason that that mattered and worked was because again, like at the University of Florida, we were all in service to a goal greater than ourselves. So I, I have to believe, and this is the optimist in me, but also the pragmatist, because I've worked on Capitol Hill. I have worked in a bipartisan fashion to help pass big and small pieces of legislation, um, that there is so much more that unites us than divides us. And so I would just say to everyone out there, one, be the change that you want to see. So what are you doing? What are we all doing in our, our daily lives to have a conversation that may be uncomfortable, to talk to someone who has a background that is different than our own, uh, to look at things from a lens that you know may be different from our lived experience, but to try and have um, you know, as much as we can, a greater understanding and, and dialogue around, around those issues. So I, I think it is a bit of a, a, a surprise about how uh, what seemingly disparate sides of the aisle can come together, but I'm hopeful that, you know, that was certainly my experience and I'm hopeful uh, that we will get, we'll get there again. And I, and I agree uh, with the president that I think there's a lot more that unites us and, you know, we get into this media frenzy that, you know, media is all about negative, 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 um, many times, not always, but, you know, there it's the shock and awe of media as opposed to kind of the human interest and here are people doing good in the world. Uh, and hopefully we'll get back to, why don't we focus on uh, the good in the world, not being Pollyanna-ish, um, but there's a lot of good that is happening that never makes it uh, to the nightly news or um, to the news that we consume through a variety of outlets. So, Okay. That's politics and sports. Uh, there are so many women uh, moving and shaking across mm -hmm. sports. Uh, I think there's a misnomer. I always get asked the question about being a woman in male dominated fields. So sports and politics, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, I would just say I'm a person who has a skill set and I just work to do the best job that I can. Um, and that's how I view every job that I've ever had. Um, yes, it's awesome. Uh, that I happen to be a woman and I'm a woman <laughs> of color and, you know, I have a great sense of pride in that, but I've worked extraordinarily hard um, to get to where I am. And, you know, I just want to keep doing that. But there are so many other women, like I said, Rockefeller's office, all the leadership positions were women. That's how I uh, really learned uh, what it was to be a, a leader who was also a woman um, and really own that and step into that role. And the same is true in sports across uh, the different sports leagues, not just uh, at the NFL, but the NHL and MLS and the NBA. There are amazing women uh, who work across sports. And, you know, so I think that's sometimes a misnomer uh, also. I, I'm glad I asked that question now. Because, uh, A, you, I mean, a unifying message and in, in just inspirational mm -hmm. response. So I really appreciate that. It was good timing to, to ask that question. So uh, thank you.
Absolutely. Thanks for the question. No, that was a good one. Uh, yeah, awesome. I, I love that. It was, um, yeah, it is unifying. And the yeah. women and just speaking to encouraging women, especially obviously in the sports industry, a lot of our students are, you know, seeing as a female, you know, being minority in, in the industry, but being encouraged that, you know, like women are coming up and we're starting to see that. And I think women have been, but now we're getting a little bit more of an opportunity to have a voice and encouraging each other um, in hopes of also, you know, including each other, not trying to, you know, watch a yes. couple of different things and conversations around, you know, wanting to build each other up rather than, um, well, I got to get that job. So, you know, um, and I hope that is the direction that the culture and sports will continue to, to go as well. Um, Shelly, I want to she Pete, uh, what you just said, um, you know, absolutely. I absolutely, you know, we have to lift one another up. We, we cannot operate from a position of scarcity. This is not a zero sum game. And, you know, earlier I talked about being the change that we all want to see. We all have choices and, and opportunities to be that change. You know, we have opportunities big and small. And so there are small ways that we can amplify and support um, women in our network and large ways to amplify and support women in our network. And sometimes we have to, you know, break those glass ceilings and create the positions uh, that we want. And, you know, it's, we cannot be afraid to uh, be the first. There's this great article on the University of Florida Foundation's website by uh, featuring uh, Yolanda Cash Jackson. I would encourage everyone listening uh, to go and check that out because she talks about being the first and she talks about some of the challenges that she's experienced uh, as a lobbyist uh, there in Florida and overcoming those challenges. Uh, but it, we're all in sisterhood and we're all in personhood. Um, and we have a limited time amount of time to make an impact and to do good in the world. Uh, don't we all and shouldn't we all want to, uh, you know, uplift people and, you know, be people centered and, um, you know, magnanimous in our service as we go forward. That, that to me is the, there's no better way to be. It all comes back to you uh, tenfold when you lead that way. Yeah, that's awesome. No, that was, um, I'm going to look into that article. I haven't read it yet. So, and, um, and Jocelyn, I learned another term from you, and that is sheep eat. <laughs> yeah. This is a good day. I'm, I'm learning all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Brian, we say that I've learned it. I, I, I do this uh, startup club on, on Clubhouse with all these amazing women founders who, you know, founded these companies, sold companies, who sit on boards. And Chelsea, who is one of my co hosts, she, always says, I she-peed that. And I was like, I love that. So I have to give credit to Chelsea for that, but I use it now all the time. Because you know, we've all been in those rooms where, uh, and I, you know, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole where things get repeated among men and a woman will say something in the room and it's just kind of like crickets all over the place. <laughs> or it gets repeated in a different way by a man in the room. And it's exactly the same thing that the woman said, right. but everyone's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Right. So I go out of my way to amplify uh, the voices of, of women and uh, people of color whenever I can, because I think it's important. Yeah, important to do so. So no, I, I, I wish I could find a way to sneak sheep eat into my vernacular. Good, good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of different, all like you serve on like numerous boards, and so curious. Um, you know, we can hear your passion in giving and reaching out and building into community and others. Um, 
How did you get involved with so many organizations? This goes back to relationships. Um, so the University of Florida is where I serve on the most boards too. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that came about, it was, it really, it's so funny. It was a point in time in my professional life where I really, you know, kind of stuck my head up and said, you know, I need to really look above the, the trees and, you know, how can I do a better job of giving back? What are the things that I'm interested in? And of course, University of Florida is top of the list. <laughs> and it ha just so happened that many of the folks who were in student government at the same time that I was at the University of Florida or in other organizations within the university ecosystem were also coming back into the fold at the University of Florida Alumni Association. So it's just been incredible because you fast forward 20 years and you get to be with your same friends and the people that you grew up with at the University of Florida. And it's just been amazing. And you're reconnecting at a different point when you know people have families, they are you know, established in their careers, some are starting second and third careers. And it's just being a fly on the wall again. This goes back to the intellectual curiosity. This is of a personal level where you're seeing your friends and longtime colleagues in their lives and what they're doing. And they are so inspirational. So I, that's how I got involved with uh, the University of Florida. I mean, obviously, given everything that I've gotten and learned and you know, just gained uh, from UF, I want to always be a part of, of giving back. Um, to the university. So that's how that happened. And then everything else has really been relationships. Um, so the West Virginia University Health System, when I left the Senate, I was heartbroken that I, well, I was heartbroken that Senator Rockefeller retired. I worked for him for nine years. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I developed such a closeness to the state of West Virginia and the people of West Virginia. It was always like a family reunion uh, when I went to West Virginia. And uh, I wanted to stay connected. And luckily, an opportunity presented itself to serve on the board of the health system, which is the largest employer in the state. And I, I, my background's in health policy. So I got appointed to that by the governor. His name is Governor Jim Justice. He has a superhero's name. <laughs> um, and, you know, that was bipartisan. He's a Republican governor. But again, relationships and, you know, kind of, you know, in service to the state of West Virginia. So every board that I serve on, you know, really meets the, does it bring me joy? Can I have an impact in the world? Uh, the reason I have those opportunities are because of relationships. And, um, you know, eventually I'm going to have to say no, because I have a, a long and growing list. Um, but right now I just feel lucky that I can do things that are near and dear to my heart that really have an impact uh, and, and really help um, um, people and, you know, help to move us all forward. Yeah, that's awesome. And it, again, it reminds me of me going back to college. I'm still serving at Florida with people from 20 years ago. Um, and the opportunity students have now to even be on boards and to be involved in um, different organizations. So yeah, that's that's awesome. And so, okay, so you've talked a lot about, you know, your career journey and all the other, um, the boards you've been on, the jobs you've had. So in the in the midst of all, um, all of your activities and experiences, how have you, or maybe, I'll, I'll throw this question out first. Just how, how do you feel like you've done when it comes to balancing your work, board roles, and personal life? Is there a formula or um, do you, does it always change? So, you know, I love this question. Um, I get this question often about work-life balance. And I have evolved in my thinking about it, I think, just based on experience. So the first thing I would say is, uh, balance according to who. And I, I, I want everyone listening in to, you know, 
I think when we hear work-life balance, like it puts a whole lot of undue pressure on us to like, oh my gosh, I've got to like do a hundred percent in my, in my professional life. And I've got to be a hundred percent in my personal life. And I've got to, you know, juggle everything and be good at everything. No. <laughs> balance to me means, you know, what works for you when your mind, body, spirit are in alignment, right? Mm -hmm. So, and that changes. It's not the same today as it was yesterday. You know, today I may need to dive into work, you know, a lot more because, you know, I'm amped about something. There's a new idea and the wheels are turning and I, you know, I need to write it all down and work out that, you know, creative energy. Tomorrow, it may be that, you know, I really want to do a yoga class. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to start my day with that. And, you know, that's my balance. I'm going to read, you know, this really powerful, you know, memoir. So it is not a static state when we think about balance. Balance is dynamic and it's what balance means to you, what works for you. And so, you know, there may be some people balance for them as they work 90% and 10% doing fun stuff. Others, it's a 50-50, some it's 60-40. So I do want to hopefully encourage everyone listening that there is no formula, like there's no golden rule for here's what balance means. No, it's what it means in that moment for you and what you need in that moment to have alignment personally, professionally, spiritually, you know, all of those things. And so I, it, and it evolves. So what works for me today and the things that I like to do today, I mean, I'll always love fishing and I'll always love, you know, reading a good book. But, you know, I, there are new things that I'm trying. I just got that uh, mirror thing that um, yeah. you're talking about the mirror that you exercise too, since we're all still at home for oh, yeah. <laughs> That's my new thing that I'm trying out, even though everyone, all my friends are like, you have to get a Peloton bike. And I'm like, <laughs> I do not like spinning. I do not like spinning. So I'm going to do this instead. Um, but that's my new kind of, you know, trying to add that balance um, into my life. And that's a new thing. So it really just depends. Mm -hmm. uh, I bought a bunch of puzzles because in my youth, I used to love jigsaw puzzles. And I'm like, what better time than now uh, to pick up a jigsaw puzzle and, you know, just zone out for a little bit and take a break from work. So it's what balance means to you. It really is. Yeah, I love that answer. I think it is it's so unique to all of us, right, too, because we're all different. And so what you need versus what I would need or Brian would need would be very, very different. So, yeah, I knew there wasn't a formula, but it's a hard question to structure, too, because our question it's, and it's a hard one, I think, in the sports industry specifically, because every, like the nature of the industry is 100 miles an hour, like 80 to 90 percent of the year, you know, and so how do you know? you know, when there's games you, and you work for a team professionally or collegiately, you've got to go. <laughs> you can't just be like, oh, ah, absolutely. Your time. Absolutely. this is that, this is really, you know, my time. Um, so yeah. Uh, but I would imagine in politics and all the things you're involved in, it's still just as applicable, you know, learning how to learn more about yourself almost. It sounds like too, to know what you need to stay balanced or to just stay healthy. Maybe that's a better even a better term for the for the question. Stay healthy and look, I, I'm not suggesting that I've always done it well. I I really bought into the myth of work-life balance at, at one point in time. And it was always aspirational. I'm like, ah, I know that I work a whole lot and but I, I like to work. Like I I get amped about new ideas and creativity and all this stuff. But as you say, and as you correctly pointed out, we have to have balance and we have to make sure that what we're doing is healthy and that we have, 
you know, my other favorite thing, my two youngest nieces, one just turned 16 last week and her sister is nine. They are the lights of my life. Oh my goodness. And so now that, you know, I, I'm in charge of my own schedule, you know, I have time. The little one calls me multiple times a week. I just bought a Nintendo Switch so that I can play Mario with her remotely because that's our thing. We play all these video games and she is totally a gamer. Um, and so, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, would I have given myself the, the approval to do that? And so, Brian, going back to your question, if I could advise myself about things to do differently now or, or then, yeah. based on what I know now, one of them would be, you know, what are those things that bring joy, that break up? Yes, I like to, I like to work a lot. And I work at a high clip, fast pace, all that stuff. I'm type A all the way. All that being said, you still have to build in breaks. You have to build in things that replenish your spirit, that are fun, that aren't, you know, requiring all the intense, you know, focus, time and energy, um, you know, as, as work. And so that's, again, it changes. It's an evolution. Um, it's something that I, you know, work on every day. And I, but living that personal mission that has joy as a key part of it, it forces me to balance, right? I, I can't be joyful if I'm out of balance in any 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 one way. Yeah, you use a, a very powerful term in the context of a person, it, approval. Uh, essentially, you know, you're having to ask yourself, because I know I do it, it, it I'm very busy, I know Shelly is as well, and you almost feel beholden and guilty to step away. And it's like, I need to give myself permission to have some fun or enjoy myself in a different, yes. like I said, that the word approval, it's like, I like that. I, I you could, you know, use that. Say I, I give myself permission to, to let my guard down or to, to go have a beer or, or in, you know, enjoy company with a friend and not be thinking about work. And I don't think we do that well enough. Uh, well, Brian, so. not only give ourselves permission, write it in the calendar. So if you're like, yeah. you have yeah. a calendar, just put it on the calendar. I'm going to yeah. take 30 minutes to do X. Or on Saturday, I am not going to be in this Zoom life on Saturday <laughs> or Sunday. I'm just not going to do it, not personally right. or professionally. I'm not Zooming with anybody. I'm going to spend time. I'm going to take a hike, right? Or I'm going to take the dogs. Whatever it is, like we, we can give and should give ourselves permission. And we shouldn't feel guilty about it because the endorphins and the positivity and just the we can recommit ourselves even more. Uh, to whatever it is we're working on or, you know, um, moving through in our personal lives because we've gotten that shot in the arm of energy that comes from doing something fun. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, thank you for that. That gave me some perspective even. Uh, and I do, my calendar is obnoxious looking, so I think I need to. <laughs> I, think it's really I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, but, but aside from that, for our sport management students, in, in regards to your roles in the NFL and or with DraftKings currently, what kind of advice could you offer them with respect to opportunities on the horizon? I mean, obviously Draft, uh, DraftKings is in a very growth mode. Uh, with a lot of potential uh, in, in the future. So what are your thoughts in regards to the advice for them? You know, if, if board service is something that you're interested in, I would say, you know, start where your passions lie. Uh, obviously, the University of Florida is a big passion. Mm -hmm. um, and starting out in the nonprofit space is a great way 
to learn about board service and what it means and kind of the uh, the firewall between what the board does and day-to-day operations of uh, an organization or a company. Uh, it's always great to be a part of the nominating and or governance committees, even on nonprofits, uh, because they are really important on uh, public board, uh, public boards. Uh, the audit committee, extraordinarily important uh, for public boards. And so I would say if this is something that you're interested in and you you really think over time you want to build toward being on a for-profit board, uh, I would start, it's never too early to start, right? It's never too early to participate in an organization that where you can learn something, but you're also passionate about their mission. LinkedIn, believe it or not, posts a lot of board opportunities, both volunteer and paid. Okay. Uh, you just do search board member. Uh, and they will, they'll come up. And so that's a great place to look for board opportunities. But also at the University of Florida, there are co- your colleges. And I'm certain that this college has an advisory board. So when you graduate, if you want to stay involved in your college, that's another pathway. Or there may be other advisory boards within the University of Florida ecosystem where you want to get involved. Um, and the University of Florida Alumni Association is certainly another place. So yeah. There are all sorts of opportunities to gain board experience. It's never too early to start if this is something that is interesting to you. Uh, and I'm happy to talk to anyone who is interested uh, about that that path and, and what you should do. I was not planning to be on a public board. Uh, you know, as an English major, all of this has kind of just, you know, I've been incredibly blessed and, and worked extraordinarily hard. Um, you know, using the skills that I learned at the University of Florida, being an English major and then an education major in the counseling space, analytical skills really help a lot. And so what I spend my day doing uh, is in terms of board service, it's a lot of strategy. Uh, it's looking at the big picture. Uh, there's a lot of data and analytics on the communication side, like how are you engaging your audience, the marketing and communication side, if you're in a consumer facing startup. Um, which I also advise. And so there's so many cool opportunities uh, out here. And so I would encourage anyone just to uh, start at the point where you're ready and at a place where you're passionate and uh, just go from there. And then the same is true with sports. Like if you're really passionate about sports, across all of the sports leagues, there are internship programs that uh, they have. There are rotational fellowship programs that you can get involved in. And so I would be on the lookout for those opportunities uh, to really have kind of that intellectually curious experience where you can learn on the job and uh, really see the inner workings of how a sports league works. And a sports league has so many different lines of business. So you could be in you know, product development, you can be in partnerships, you can be in communications, you can be in legal. I mean, there are so many different facets to a sports career. And so again, it's never too early to start. And there are a lot of different uh, paths to entry. Perfect. I, I really appreciate it. And speaking of connection with our students, how could our students connect with you, uh, you know, via social media or other other pathways? Absolutely. So on all social platforms, I am at Miss Jossie Moore, M-S-J-O-C-I-E-M-O-O-R-E. And I am on LinkedIn, although all my friends on Clubhouse are making fun of me because I always shout out that I'm on LinkedIn. They're like, 
Jocelyn, <laughs> you, what about shouting out your Twitter handle or your Instagram? <laughs> um, so you can find me across social media uh, at Miss Jossie Moore. You can also email me at Jossie Gator, uh, J-O-C-I-E Gator at gmail.com. Uh, and I will respond to all outreach. It may take me a little while, but just know I'll, I'll definitely respond. Ah, I really appreciate That's amazing. Thank you. That's what we were hoping for, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> so now on Voices from the Field, uh, we have we like to have a little fun, obviously. Oh. So we have this rapid fire Q&A. Oh. It's chock full of lighthearted questions, uh, obviously. So uh, with that said, Shelly, uh, let the fun begin. Yeah. Okay. So I'll put a one minute timer on my phone. Um, and then I have a list of questions and you just get to answer you off the cuff. Um, and don't, yeah, don't overthink it. And we'll see how many you can get uh, in one minute. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. I feel like I need a buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. First job. American Fair. LinkedIn or Twitter? LinkedIn. <laughs> Favorite time of the day? Morning. When you were little, what did you want to be when you grew up? A lawyer. Mm. Uh, name two daily habits. Uh, Pilates and taking my dogs out. Okay. Netflix, Prime Video, or cable? Netflix. Favorite animal? My puppies. Mountains or beaches? Oh, mountains. Current hobby? Um, angling. Favorite type of food? Oh, I like all types, but let's just say Starbucks. <laughs> what type of Starbucks? <laughs> oh, soy green tea latte. Nice. Um, and what's the worst haircut you've ever had? Oh man, it was called a high right, low left, where it was just like you know asymmetrical. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was back in the late eighties. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what phone app do you waste the most time on? Zillow. Oh man. Oh wow. Um, I troll Zillow. And time. Great job. Yeah. yeah there was no, no hesitation. That was fun. There was no it. hesitation, though, in your responses. I was impressed. It was like, yeah, this is it. No, no and I love the Starbucks. I'm like, wait. I like wanted to go back and ask about the like, puppies. What kind, of, what kind of puppies do you? Um, oh, yeah. my goodness. I have Ma Marley the Havanese, and okay. I have Rue the uh, miniature Yorkie Poo. Gotcha. Okay. I, have, so I have Marley good. the Shih Tzu. Oh, isn't Marley just perfect? Yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> Marley. Right. And he is such a Marley. Oh, my. I don't know about your Shih Tzu. But my Havanese is such a Marley. He's into everything. No, no, it's, you can't like leave him alone for two seconds. He's like tearing up everything. It's fitting, <laughs> absolutely, for our dog. That's uh, that's great. So, Jocelyn, it's been a real pleasure, uh, and we thank you for joining us today and sharing your professional endeavors. I know that the University of Florida Department of Sport Management, the students, the faculty, the alumni appreciate and value your thoughts. So, with that being said, and before we depart, I have one last question for you. If you could step into the shoes of either a UF SPM student or the UF community, what would you have asked yourself that I did not? Wow. I know it's a tough, it's like, a <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah. What would I ask myself that I did not? Is what you are doing right now bringing you joy and helping you grow? Wow. I think we're going to take a clip of that at the end and make that like the intro piece for this. So. <laughs> yeah.
that's perfect. The passion, obviously. So yeah. I, I think that's a great response and I, I appreciate it. So, so thank you again, uh, Jocelyn, for your insight and time. Uh, we are your host, Brian Avery. And Shelly Lyle. And, and go, go Gator. Go Gator. Go Gator. Go Gator. Go Gator. <laughs> Double Gator for you. There we go. <laughs>